at the end of the day, unless your product is so amazing or your service is so amazing, you're not going to get the sale because people are going to look at that. And one of the side effects of busyness is depersonalization, which is also one of the stages of burnout. But within depersonalization, we begin to actively resent and dislike the people that we're trying to help the most. If you're selling something and you actively dislike the person you're selling to, almost guaranteed you're not going to get that sale. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. That was Garland Vance. Garland is the founder of Advanced Leadership and author of the book titled Getting Unbusy, Five Steps to Kill Busyness and Live with Purpose, Productivity, and Peace. And in this conversation today, Garland and I talk about busyness, B-U-S-Y-N-E-S-S. Busyness being an overcommitment to too many good commitments, well-intentioned commitments, But as the saying goes, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. We talk about why Garland believes that busyness is not a good thing, why it's actually killing you, why it's robbing you of your quantity and quality of life and destroying your productivity. Garland shares a great example why he believes that overcommitting yourself is like a form of hoarding, and you want to make sure you check that out. And then we dig into Garland's five steps to make yourself unbusy, steps that Garland believes will help you to reclaim your purpose your productivity, and your peace of mind. All this and much, much more, but before we get to Garland, I want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to it. And if you subscribe, we'd certainly appreciate it. If you could also give us your feedback in the form of a review. So thank you. All right, let's jump into it. Garland Vance, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Andy. I'm thrilled to be here. Well, thrilled to have you on the show. So um, you're joining us from where? From Knoxville, Tennessee. Knoxville, Tennessee. Okay. You know, there was actually, uh, I remember, <laughs> I almost grew up in Knoxville. <laughs> really? My dad was, yeah, my dad, early in his career, was uh, negotiating with uh, his boss over a new position, and uh, the boss wasn't apparently forthcoming enough, and so, you know, this is back in <laughs> long, 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 long time ago, he got a job offer from a competitor uh, in Knoxville. Yeah. Nice. Uh, yeah, I almost ended up growing up in Knoxville instead of, instead of Wisconsin. My my family just moved here three years ago uh, by our own choice, and and love it. We absolutely love it. Yeah, I mean Knoxville is always sort of on the list of yeah you know, most livable places. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah. Well, good. All right. So uh, we're going to talk about your book. I liked your book. Let's do it. I liked your book. Um, Thank you. I, yeah, I, I took copious notes because uh, <laughs> uh, you write about something that we all suffer from. So the title of the book is Getting Unbusy, Five Steps to Kill Busyness and Live with Purpose, Productivity, and Peace. So in the book, you frame, you frame the, the problem right up front. And you say, and this is a quote, your dilemma is that you have too much to do Yet you came to me expecting I would give you more. Let me say it again. If you have too much to do, you don't need more to do. <laughs> yeah, And that sort of defines yep. the problem, doesn't it? It does. And, and, and that's how most people think of busyness is what do I need to do in order to get rid of all of my stress and exhaustion and, and overwhelm? And so uh, I wanted to take a different approach. 
Yeah. Well, and it's not one that's, yeah, conventional time management is not a solution to busyness, as you point out in the book. In fact, it's probably a, I would dare say it's, it's a contributor to busyness, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, when I started, uh, you know, when I started dealing with my own busyness, which I, you know, the, the, in 2013, when I had to go to my doctor because it was having all of these terrible physical effects on me, I thought the problem was, okay, I just need better time management. But the crazy thing was I was teaching time management for my organization. I had uh, read hundreds of books and articles on time management. Like I was considered the go-to person for time management in my organization. And I was sitting there saying, I'm so busy. I'm overwhelmed. I guess I just need better time management. And, and it's, it's a lie. It's not a time problem. It's a commitment problem. A commitment problem, right. Well, as you said, it's 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 a problem of convincing ourselves that we can do more. Yep. When yeah, really the solution is is oftentimes to be more focused about what we commit to do, as you said. And yes. yeah, I, yeah, I I think we've probably all been through that, right? It's it's mm-hmm. feeling stressed, feeling overwhelmed, uh, feeling overcommitted, and yet feeling like we need to commit to do more. Um, and I was just thinking about this myself as, as uh, going through a cycle of business planning, and uh, I've got a new book coming out next year, so I'm you know, deep into the plans of how we're going to promote the book and market the book. And, and the list of things I could do, yeah, far exceeds the amount of time <laughs> that I have available <laughs> and, to and do it, it. It always will. Andy, I love to tell people, you're going to die with an unfinished to-do list. You know, got I mean, it. when uh, Walt Disney, <laughs> yeah, well, when, when Walt Disney was close to death, he said, if only I could live 15 more years, I could accomplish everything I wanted to accomplish. And the reality is, if he had lived 15 more years, he still would have dreamed more dreams and had more ideas. And so we're all going to die with more to do than we can possibly get done. Yeah, well, that's an interesting way to frame it because, yeah, you, you know, I started thinking about, okay, what's the alternative if you die and you don't wish that you had things to do, right? Not just spend more time with loved ones and so on, but, you know, dreams of things that you, it's like, well, huh. Yeah, that's, that would, that would not, be a sad life. That's not the life I want. That's not the life I want to lead, right? I mean, it's. No. But I know it's. But hey, it's very different than you know. My parents retired. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, mom twisted dad's arm. They were retired at sixty-two, and and. Yeah, I. Quite honestly, they didn't live a whole lot longer than that, and yeah. I think part was just, yeah, what what was there, right? Yeah. Uh, Well, and and I think one of the things that we do, I certainly don't want to convince people that they should retire, give up, you know, just play golf every day, you know, live this life that 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 isn't meaningful and that doesn't really strive for what they want. But I think just coming to the realization, because so many of us feel stressed out all the time. And mm -hmm. when we say to ourselves, if only I could do this, 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 this and this, I wouldn't feel as stressed. And the reality is, if you're a type A personality, you're a big dreamer, you're a go-getter, whatever it is, if that's the kind of person you are, you are going to always have more to do than you can get done. That's not a bad thing. That's just a reality to be embraced. Yeah, but to the point you make in the book, which I think is the right point, is is it's not that you have more that, that you could ever accomplish, more to do than you could ever accomplish. It's picking the things that 
are most important to get done that will provide you, as I said, sort of the, the quality of life um, and the productivity yeah. that, that you desire. I mean, I yeah. think that's, Absolutely. that's yeah, if I'd sort of, when you were writing the book and I was reading, I was sort of envisioning this you know, big funnel that you put, keep putting stuff into and, and it only drains at a certain rate. <laughs> and mm. you know you can keep putting stuff into it, but it's not going to drain any faster. Well, I think that's the dilemma a lot of people get into yeah. at work is is just putting more stuff into the top of the funnel. Yeah, that's a great illustration. I wish I had thought of that. Um, I, I may steal that <laughs> for my next book. Go ahead, <laughs> I'll give you credit fine. like the first three times I share it, and then after that, it's sure. totally mine. <laughs> Believe me, I've done that many times on the show. I tell people I'm going to steal that. So okay. <laughs> Well, and, and again, it's interesting to use the story early in the book. Is is I remember reading something by Herman Kahn, who was a futurist. Uh, you wrote that in 1967, predict, he predicted that by the year 2000, 20 years ago, <laughs> the, 21 years ago, uh, the average person would need to only work 30 hours per week and you would have 13 weeks of vacation each year due to increases in technology and and wages you know, ref- <laughs> and think about what we've gotten we've got uh, stagnant incomes that are, on an inflation basis are probably well stagnant if not declining in many cases uh, we're working more than ever we're more anxious than ever uh, what yeah what didn't happen well, how did Herman Kahn miss the boat so much yeah well I think one of the things that happened is he missed the reality of of people, one, tend to enjoy work in some ways, okay? Not everybody mm. enjoys work, but there is a, a certain aspect out of work that where we have satisfaction sure. from it. We can see progress that we make. Uh, it gives a little bit of meaning and purpose to our lives. And so I think one of the things that he missed was that people enjoy doing work and and then the second thing that he totally missed i don't and i don't know that he could have foreseen this is that as technology progressed our boundaries in life regressed and so it used to be in herman kahn's day you had an office mm-hmm. and at the end of the day maybe you packed up your briefcase and had a couple of papers that you brought home but you couldn't take your office with you and we're no. at the point now where there are no borders at all to our work and to our life and so every moment is can be infiltrated by every area of life, and that creates a ton of pressure uh, to get everything done and to always be on. And so we have just continued to decrease the amount that we sleep. We've continued to decrease the amount of time that we take for vacation, to uh, increase the number of hours that we work, to increase the number. Um, the average parent is spending more time with their children than they've ever spent before, not even you know in a work-from-home world, just in an active parenting sense. We've, we're spending more time with our children than we've ever spent before. <laughs> Which we're not sure and, is good. <laughs> <laughs> right, we're not sure is good. And then at the end of the day, we're looking at ourselves and we're saying, I didn't do enough. I should have done more. What's wrong with me? Why couldn't I get it all done? Um, so I think those are some of the things that, that Khan missed. Yeah, well, I think that sums it up very well, right? And I think that it's, it's yeah, we want it all. And yep. all is impossible. And certainly in a business perspective, all is, is impossible. And 
as you said, is is it, it really and the part I was sort of focused on that part in the book is it it being too busy, you say it destroys your productivity. And I think that's it really does. the sort of the critical thing. Clearly quality of life issues and so on is, is part of it. Um, yeah, and as you write about in the book, it could decrease your duration of life. But setting aside the stress is just, it's not helping you in any dimension. Right. And that's, so let's talk about that for a second, because I think a lot of, of listeners, when they hear the word busy, they, they, they almost hear it as a, as I refer to in the book, as a badge of honor. And so, you right. know, I think it helps to understand what busyness is as I define it. And, right. and it's, uh, busyness is an overcommitment to too many good commitments. So nobody's busy because they're doing terrible things, you know, unless you're a dictator or a drug dealer or something along those lines. <laughs> those people are busy for bad reasons. But for most of us, we're busy because of work, because of kids, because we have more projects to do around the home. We're busy because we're trying to reintegrate into life after COVID. And, and so we're saying yes to all of these things. But when you take all of those really good commitments and put them right. together, it becomes really bad. Yeah. Well, and as, as you write about it, I mean, well, first of all, you sort of explain, but maybe just more specific about a good commitment, right? Is, is things that are well-intentioned. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you talk to, we, we have some friends who have four children and uh, their kids are involved in softball, and they're involved in church, and they're involved in martial arts, and they're involved in, you know, uh, math club. And, mm -hmm. and, and before the book came out, they were talking to us, and they were like, we are just overwhelmed all the time, and we're trying to figure out what to get rid of because everything we're doing is really good. Absolutely. Everything that you're doing is really good. Sure. But at the end of the night, you know, and you have good intentions as a parent, you're sitting there and you're saying, I want to give my kids every opportunity possible. But the price of that is the sacrifice of the relationship. Um, potentially it's, you know, more fast food eating, less time to relax, play, less time for your kids to just enjoy being a kid. And, and, and instead, we filled our lives with so many good commitments, or they filled their lives with so many good commitments, that their kids are stressed out all the time. Oh, yeah. And, this is yeah, certainly something that's gotten worse over the last 20 years. But and you look at it from a business perspective, and, and you know, our business and a sales audience here is, is, yeah, it's easy to take on the commitments, and also the pressures are applied to you, certainly in sales, because um, you know, you're making commitments to goals. Uh, right. But then your managers are committing you to certain activity levels, which may or may not be the right activity levels. But yeah, an impact on a quality of life. I mean, we've never had a uh, higher percentage of sellers that self-reporting, you know, challenges with mental health or burnout or disengagement from work, and you see it in the churn rate of of salespeople leaving jobs. Uh, there's some uh, person that I interviewed on my show. You know, two weeks ago, I was talking about he's seeing, he's somebody who runs uh, an organization that called Sales, Sales Health Alliance, Jeff Risley, uh, that provides mental health resources to sellers, is uh, you know, seeing all this messaging coming to him from his audience and people in his community saying, yeah, we're just toast. We're going we're gonna to take a sabbatical. <laughs> we're out of here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So you add these external pressures of life, which are, you know, assume the ones that aren't self-generated, self 
with what we're committing ourselves to at work. And yeah, something has to give at some point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I like the way you, you sort of compare the business to hoarding. Uh, hmm. I think it's a, a useful analogy or metaphor for people to think about is, is if hoarding is, the, as you write, the compulsion to overcollect, then we all get in sort of this, this mode. Yeah. And we, and we overcommit. And that's what, what's so funny is, is if we, you know, so the comparison between those two came about while I was watching a show about hoarding. And in the back of my mind, I'm sitting there the whole time going, these people are crazy, right? They're crazy. No offense. If you're a hoarder and you're listening, I apologize. I'm not directing that to you, but, but I mean, it really was, I was just sitting there watching them and I was like, they're keeping so much trash. They're, they're unwilling to throw things away. Their whole quality of life has suffered. They're sick all the time. They've lost all their relationships. And I'm looking at that and I'm going, and all of this comes down to there is, there is, they are making themselves crazy by this hoarding or they are crazy and it's coming out. And, and that's when it dawned on me is here I am. And I had, you know, just recently gone to my doctor with um, heart palpitations and chronic migraine headaches and forgetfulness and extreme exhaustion. And, and I was, you know, I was breaking out in, in sweats, you know, just as I was checking my email, all of these challenges. And if anybody else was looking at my life, they would go, Garland, this is a self-inflicted injury. Like mm -hmm. you're doing this to yourself. And, and I couldn't see it. And, and that's when I realized, okay, that is what busyness is over committing, whereas hoarding is over collecting. Yeah, well, I mean, you're collecting things to do, right? Yep. And that's it's it's a hard habit to get out because again, we we're in this mode, certainly in the U.S., um, where yeah, the unspoken agreement has been unlike you know Germany, where they've got legislation where you can't answer emails after hour and and so <laughs> on is is. Yeah, we just assume that people are on 24 hours a day. Yeah, I mean, it's this absolutely. general assumption at work. Uh, you know, hopefully you work for someone who's not sending emails at uh, 8 o'clock at night expecting a response. But, but we've let this seamlessly bleed into everything we do. And I think, at least in my opinion, is, is what happens is that's led to this idea of overcommitting because people think that they actually have more time than they do. If there are no yeah. boundaries, then yep. time is yep. somewhat and infinite. Yeah, par and Parkinson's law, work expands to fill the time allotted. And so if I allot infinite time, then my work yeah. will expand to infinite expectations. Yeah, no, I can, as I mentioned before, I could see it in, in myself from periods in my life where that's certainly been the case. Um, yeah. So you have five steps to get unbusy. So let's, let's talk about a couple of those. Um, sure. And I like the first one is you say decide, deconstruct, design, develop, draw others in, uh, basically support, but maybe just start with the top goal is, you know, the purpose of getting unbusy, as you say, is to lead a life with purpose, productivity, and peace. So ex explain that for us. Yeah. So as I was going through this myself and doing doctoral research because I wanted to help others get unbusy, one of my biggest fears was I didn't want to move from being a type A personality to a type B personality. Mm -hmm. I, I really enjoy being a type A personality. I like being driven. I like being goal oriented. I, I like being focused. And, and I think other people do as well. The challenge for me was, okay, how do I go from being a type A personality who's overwhelmed 
to being a type A personality who is experiencing less stress and more productivity. Mm-hmm. And so the, the three words, as you mentioned, that I came to were purpose, productivity, and peace. So purpose is all about knowing what your why is. You know, right. why am I on the planet? Simon Sinek uh, right. emphasized this a lot. You know, why am I on the planet? What am I here to do? Why does my job exist? So know your why. Productivity is doing your why. So productivity isn't about activity. It's about accomplishment of what you actually do that moves you toward your purpose. Right. And then peace is resting in your why. It's the willingness to, to say, I can do anything I want, but I can't do everything at once. And I can't do, I, I won't be able to do everything I want. So what are the, the few things that I'm going to commit to? And then how do I say no to everything else? Yeah, and saying no is is uh, a tough skill. It is. <laughs> you, have, you have to, first of all, I mean, it's not just saying no to yourself and your own ambition or whatever is driving it, but saying no to people you don't want to say no to as well. Yeah, it is. It, well, it's it's funny because it's the first words that any of us ever learned to say, right? So it's actually really, really easy to do. Really easy to do. We said it when we were, you know, eight months old, 10 months right. old, something like that. But we have a really hard time saying no to ourselves. That's the first challenge is we are always going to demand more from ourselves than, than we're going to live up to. And so we've got to learn to say no to ourselves. And well, then it's before, before you to go be, further on that, though, is, is, is part of that, though, that we have too broad a definition of what our why is, right? I mean, I yes. think that, like a lot of things, is, is we talk about sales, talk about marketing, is is you have to niche down what it is that you're really focusing on in order to become more productive, right? Instead of selling yeah. to 10 different types of businesses, we're going to sell just to, we're going to focus on one type of business. And, and, and you have to do the same thing in your life, right? Is you have to uh, decide what your niche is. That's what your why yeah. is. Your why is your niche. Yeah. And, and, and your why is going to shift a little bit over time. You know, sure. when, when you're a young parent and when you're a parent of young children, your uh, so much of your time and your energy goes to keeping children alive. Like that is a right. full-time job is making yes. sure that they don't swallow the arsenic or, you know, eat something that they're not supposed to eat. And and yet so many parents, what I see is they they don't give themselves permission to concentrate fully or more fully on that than other areas of of their lives. So yeah, there is a a niching down and your why shifts a little bit over time. And that's okay as long as you're aware of it. Um, My kids are older now. I'm living in a time where I have a lot more freedom because they are a lot more uh, able to take care of themselves. So that's allows me to do some other things that I wouldn't be able to do if they were four years old and two and, you know, one. Yeah, no, absolutely. But I, I, yeah, I mean, goals change, you know, and we yep. accomplish certain things in our life, and then, you know, goals change. We got a new set of goals. But, I, yeah, I still, and again, this is something I'm applying in real time to myself is, you know, I look at my own business and things I'm doing is, is yeah, my areas of potential interest uh, far outstrip my ability to service all of them. And, <laughs> yes. yeah, I have to make choices. Yep. Yeah, definitely Absolutely. have to make choices. Absolutely. And well, so, so saying to, no to ourselves is the hardest, uh, right. is, is often the hardest thing to do. Yeah. Well, I, I, I having a conversation with a guest yesterday, I was interviewing with, and, and 
we're talking about tough conversations. And to this point, I think, yeah, one of the toughest conversations we need to have is, is with ourselves, mm. right? Is, is what are we going to let go of? First of all, what is our why? And narrowing that down. So what are we going to let go of in order to narrow that down? And then, yeah, be extremely pragmatic in that, which is, is hard. Because I think, I think we, you know, somewhat in the culture we exist within, it's, it's you know, always been the more, right? And yeah. we're always sort of measuring ourselves increasingly. Even social media is an influence on this as well, is you know, measuring ourselves against people that, that uh, seemingly have everything. And, yeah, this tough conversation is, yeah, if I'm going to have this purpose that has to be a narrowly defined purpose, if I'm going to have productivity, it's got to be work and support of that purpose, and I'm going to have peace, then I have to let the rest of that, <laughs> let the rest of that shit go away. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and and so um, just uh, and again, I know you've seen it, but um, for those of you who are listening, there is a there is an uh, an exercise that I take people through called the commit to uncommit exercise, mm-hmm. which is exactly for that purpose. And what you do in that is you go through and you identify every commitment that you have, uh, which takes a long time. And and in fact, most people when they do that, they're shocked. Oh, yeah. How many commitments yeah. that they, they have, you know, and, and I'm not talking just work, but like you take work and you say, okay, what are the teams that I'm a part of? What are the meetings that I'm a part of? So you identify every commitment, how much time every commitment takes, and then you score it on it. It makes me happy, sad, or meh, you know, and, yeah. and then you go through to identify how do I begin to get out of this, the things that make me sad, the things that are meh, what do I need to do to, to negotiate with other people where maybe we can swap services or, you know, where I can do what they're doing that they don't enjoy and they can do what I'm doing? How do I negotiate it? How do I delegate it? How do I eliminate it? Or at the end of the day, do I just have to accept this commitment? And that alone typically frees up about five to 10 hours every week in a person's life. Yeah, it's the Marie Kondoizing of, of your commitments. <laughs> yeah, <basically>, absolutely. Right? <laughs> so, yes. Um, yeah, well, I, I, if you don't, and you know, we alluded to this earlier and touched on it earlier, is, is there's an epidemic of burnout. And yeah. it's not just in the sales profession, people that, that listen to the show, uh, management, um, just people in general, right? It's, it's you know, I think, uh, I was reading a study, I think it came from Gallup, that talked about the percentage of employees that are disengaged at work. Mm-hmm. And various reasons for disengagement, but uh, burnout certainly a big one that contributes to it. Yeah. And so yeah. you're getting uh, this you know phenomenon. People instead of the inverse of absenteeism, it's presenteeism, which is you know people showing <laughs> up but not not able to be productive, not able to work. And yeah. you know it comes at a huge cost to employers, but it comes at a huge personal cost to people. So I I, I think this idea of yeah. Trying to again niche down, try to really narrow your focus. What are the things that you really have to do that uh, and eliminate things that prevent you from focus? Because in sales, for instance, you know it's a performance-based profession, and if you're not bringing yeah. your best self to every interaction you have with a the buyer, then you're cheating yourself. You're cheating the buyer. 
And, and, and at the end of the day, unless your product is so amazing or your service is so amazing, you're not going to get the sale because people are going to look at that. And, and one of the side effects of busyness is depersonalization. And so mm-hmm. depersonalization, which, which is also one of the stages of burnout. Right. Uh, but within depersonalization, we begin to actively resent and dislike the people that we're trying to help the most. And, and if you're a if you're selling something and you actively dislike the person you're selling to, almost guaranteed you're not going to get that sale. You know, well, and, and <laughs> people aren't people aren't stupid. They sense those things, right? I mean, if you're yep, if you're disengaged absolutely. in sales, it's it's reflected in the you know the lack of curiosity you exhibit about yeah. the people. You know, your lack of if you have a lack of curiosity, and and then you're never really going to reach a stage of understanding them and understanding their problem mm-hmm. and understanding what they want to achieve and what they want to accomplish. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's our feeds on itself and it, it can spiral. It can be self-fulfilling yeah. prophecy in this regard. If you're starting to feel that, that's why, you know, part of when you talk about busyness too is, is, you know, part of, of combating that is, are you getting the rest that you need? Right. Mm-hmm. Are you getting the, you know, are you paying attention to the whole person because this is something that affects the whole person and they're, yeah, I'm gratified to see like, in our profession and sales are more and more people talking about this this idea of of looking at sales as an athletic pursuit where you know if you're training for a marathon you have to have rest days right you can't go yeah. train hard every day you have to and acknowledge that we're doing the same thing in in our work um, yeah. and so part of giving yourself rest days is yeah pairing back the things you're committed to. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. So I tell you what, Andy, if it's okay with you, let me talk about the four practices of of highly productive, unbusy people. Um, Because as we're talking about rest, I think that would be be really helpful for for people in this high demand sales world. Right. Um, So so one of the things that came out in the research was there are some people who are highly productive and yet they're they're unbusy. They they're not overcommitted. They have mm-hmm. lots of time. And so, one of the questions for me was, wh- what do they do differently? Right. And and if you talk to people, anybody, they'll essentially say that four things are really important to them. Uh, relationships. They'll say mm-hmm. uh, they'll say rest is supposed to be really important to them. They'll say some right. type of you know reflection, kind of looking back, appreciating things, right. gratitude, things like that. And then they'll talk about hobbies or recreation. But busy people try to take those four areas and cram them into the nooks and crannies of life. But there aren't any nooks and crannies in a busy person's schedule. And so they're getting to the end of their day, into their week, and they haven't done any of those things. Highly productive but unbusy people, what I found was that they first schedule relationships with their most important people and most energizing people. They schedule recreation, things they love to do mm-hmm. for the sheer enjoyment of doing it. They schedule reflection, time to look back at the yep. day or the week in order to move ahead. And they they schedule rest, whether that's sleep or whether that's just being able to mentally disengage a little bit. They schedule those things first and then build everything else around them. So as 
as sales people and as sales leaders are thinking in terms of how do we help people live a more balanced life or a, a, a more holistic life, that's one area where you can really help people begin is, okay, block those things in your schedule and then let's work around those. No, I think it's absolutely true. I mean, it's, it's um, yeah, my decision to start my own company back 20 plus years ago was driven by wanting to spend more time with my, my kids. Um, hmm. And, you know, it's just, I'd missed a birthday. I was traveling so much, I'd missed a birthday. And, wow. and so, yeah, yeah, right? I <laughs> was not, uh, not what I wanted and not how I envisioned me, right? So, so yeah. So, yeah, one of the inputs to start my, my own company was, yeah, be able to focus on relationships mm. more. Um, yeah. And to have control. And of did my you schedule. find that you were able to do that? I mean, a lot of people when they're starting up a company, oh, yeah. it's it's the opposite end where they're like, I thought I'd have more freedom and I don't now. But were were you able to get that freedom that you wanted? Yeah, I mean, in part by deliberately not taking on as much business as I could have. Yeah. And don't regret it for a second. You know, I was the dad <laughs> for, and my kids were still around home for about eight years after that. I was the dad that was. I was at every lacrosse game, every soccer game, every uh, theater mm. performance, every uh, dance recital. I was there. Good and I you. think people started That's feeling great. sorry for me after a while. It's like, doesn't have any, anything <laughs> to do. <laughs> and it's like, this is what I want to do. And yeah. gosh, it was one of the hardest things at all. And, you know, kids grow up and go off to college and have their own lives. It's like... I don't get to go to the lacrosse games and soccer games and theater performances <laughs> and, and so on. I, I missed it way more than they did. Uh, wow. And so, yeah, yeah, I deliberately metered my, my commitments in order to mm. do those things. Um, yeah. And I said, never regret for a second. I mean, That's great. sure it had an impact on income and so on, but it, it didn't have an impact on happiness or, right. you know, and I was fortunate enough to be in a position where I could do that um, yeah. because I'd sacrificed it all beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I've kept on doing that, though. You know, it's That's still, great. you get in the habit of, I always exercise a lot. And so, but I, yeah, you know, I've got my blocks. I go, they're fairly sacrosanct. That you know, I do it early in the day, but still. Yeah, if, if I have a eight o'clock meeting or a seven o'clock meeting one day, it's like, you know, I might be a little grumpy because I didn't get my uh, <laughs> my, <laughs> my ride in or something. But but then also, and you talk about rest. I mean, it's you've had many people on the show this is in the last month talking about well being mm. and how yeah you know, we sleep less and we don't we don't prioritize that. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, the sense of overwhelm, I think, gets magnified if you're not feeling rested. And yes. the stress prevents you from rest. And, uh, yeah, I've been influenced by people I've talked to. I'm you know, wearing one of these Aura rings that are activity trackers, oh, nice. you know, wearable. Um, yeah, and put this sleep system in our bed that cools the temperature. So I nice. sleep, I sleep much better, right? I mean, it's like... Yeah, I mean it's been marked uh, how much better I, <laughs> I don't know how much better I better how more refreshed. I mean, so like when I do my exercise in the morning, uh, yeah, I'm feeling better. Um, That's great. 
so yeah, I think these things are, you know, we just have been ignoring them. But yeah, if you are feeling busy, it's going to feel magnified if you're not taking care of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's, it's so interesting because we ignore them because we want to get more done. Only to realize that the more we ignore them, the less truly productive we can be and the, the longer things are going to take. So it ends up backfiring on us. I, I, I had this uh, a couple of weeks ago where I realized um, I've, I've tracked my sleep for a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. I typically know about how many, you know, exactly how much sleep I need to get. And for some reason, there was about a two week period where I wasn't, I, I was waking up, um, I had headaches, I, you know, just things were happening. And I, and so I would get up and and I started noticing, I was like, my, like, what is going on? I'm, it's taking me so much longer to write this email than it should right. take me. Or, you know, I'm, I'm being interviewed by somebody and I'm going, oh, we got to do that one again. That was, I'm, I'm so sorry about that, which is not normally happening. And then I looked back and I was like, oh gosh, for two weeks, I've missed out on 30 minutes of sleep, an hour of sleep, you know, 45 minutes of sleep. And that builds up. And so my productivity in it, Hoping to get more done during that time with less mm-hmm. sleep ended up backfiring and making me l- way less productive. Yeah, and I think it's it's powerful that that uh, you know people have sort of talked about this for a long time about sleep and rest and recovery, and we always sort of estimated it before, right? Uh, unless you're tracking it, but yeah, now you get statistics. It's yeah, <laughs> now I know how long it took me to get to sleep. Um, yeah, my heart rate variability, I mean, how well was I recovering during the night? I mean, all of this, how many tosses and turns, blah, 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 blah. But <laughs> I don't pay attention to all of it. But the, the major things. And yeah. yeah, to your point precisely is, is yeah, it's not about more hours working. It's about yeah. better work in the hours that you have. And mm. that's especially true in sales, right? Is is It's not about... In my mind, it's not about optimizing the number of calls you make. It's about how productive you are in each call that you have. And Absolutely. It tends to get overlooked, and but it's really the key. And yeah. so rest, recovery, uh, even reflection, as you talked about, I think is is something that I stress for people is, is give yourself space to just let stuff ruminate. Right, I call it rumination time. We all need yeah. time to ruminate. Yeah, and 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 I'd say the other part of reflection that's that's really important is the looking back to look forward. Of so I do I do a lot of that as well in the mornings. Just kind of let my mind wander and go where it wants to go. And but but there's also I, I think there are three questions that really help us look back. So the first mm-hmm. is what did I accomplish yesterday? So I, I tend to do my reflection first thing in the morning. What did mm-hmm. I accomplish yesterday? So a lot of times, high performers, high achievers wake up. And immediately they feel like they're behind, right? It's it's like, you know, the, the list is longer than the day. And so to start off your day by saying, hey, what did I accomplish yesterday? So that you can celebrate that and it actually creates some psychological 
uh, buffer where you right. you feel like you've already accomplished something. Second question to ask is, what am I grateful for? So, so gratitude is a productivity exercise because studies have shown the more grateful we are for what we accomplish, the more energized we are to accomplish more things. Mm -hmm. So when we're when we're not grateful, it ends up suppressing a lot of our productivity. And then the final question I always like to ask is, what am I going to do differently today than I did yesterday? And sometimes there's there's nothing, right? Sometimes right. it was, ah, I did yesterday was a really good day. Other times the list is five or ten things and I need to just pick one of those. But it's really looking back to say, how did I do yesterday and how am I hoping that will inform how I do today? Yeah, well, and the thing about that is it that I find important is is that it provides a level of intentionality about what mm -hmm. we do. And so yeah. business, as I was reading the book, and I think in general, just you know, as I think about the topic, is is you know, people are just on autopilot, right? That's it's a lack of reflection uh, yeah. that causes it because you're not examining what you're doing, you're not, as I say, not being intentional. And I think, at least to me, that's that's key, right? And yeah. so this this rumination, you know, my peak time is in the shower, um, is, as my wife says, are you still in the shower? <laughs> yeah, it's like. <laughs> I'm being very productive right now, I'm honey. Being very, being very productive, <laughs> lots of thoughts. But, you know, you need to understand why. It's your, not just your why, but also why, right? Mm. Um, yeah, I think it's so important for, as you're going through life, is understand you know, why are you able to do certain things? Why do certain things work for you? Yeah, to your point, what am I going to do differently is, well, yeah, I mean, if, I, if I'm good in sales, what is it that I do that's good? Why, is, why does it resonate with the customers? Why does it resonate with uh, other people that, you know, want to help me and support me? And document it, right? Understand yeah. what that is and then use that as said. As how can I do even better the next day? Yeah, I love that that sense of intentionality. Um, I I just finished reading uh, Napoleon's Hill book, Outwitting the Devil, which has nothing to do with uh, with religion in yep. any way, right? But right. but just finished reading it, and he says in there, ninety eight percent of people drift through life with no yeah. intentionality, and and I don't know if that statistic is true or not, but. But Andy, you bring up such a good point that very often what happens is we drift, then we become overly busy, and then we're so busy that becoming intentional takes twice as much work as it as it would have. And so right. there, there's just this need to get the busyness out of our life so that there is a greater ability to be very intentional. Yeah. Well, and that surf, that floats down, right? And we touched, touched on it before is because... Is yeah, you know, sellers are always under a lot of pressure. You got to make a certain number of calls, send a certain number of emails. You got a certain amount of pipeline, and it's like, yeah, you really don't, right? It's it's <laughs> it's finding out how you achieve or achieve certain things based on the way that works best for you, yeah. and that requires that intentionality. Requires trade offs. Requires uh, letting things go. Um, and it's not always easy these days because you know, technology enables us to be more heavy-handed, let's say, on how we manage people. Um, <laughs> but 
you're not being any more productive. You know, it's one mm. of the things with with we see in sales with all this incredible technology that's come into sales in the last 10, 15, 20 years is the level of actual productivity in terms of, as you said, achievements, not accomplishments, right? Is right. I have a sort of a basic measure of productivity, which is hours of revenue generated per hour or dollars of revenue generated per hour of sales time. As far as we can tell, that hasn't changed at all. Hmm. That's fascinating. Yet people are feeling busier and the technology enables them to do more things, to be more busy, but at the end of the mm. day, they're not producing more revenue. Wow. I, I tell you what, they should read my book. I think it would change their lives. Well, <laughs> people that hear this show probably will. So <laughs> we'll use that as a cue. So if people want to find out more about what you do and, and find out more about the book, how can they do that? Yeah. So um, actually, if you'll go to killbusy.com, killbusy.com. <laughs> I will um, send you a signed copy of the book for free if they'll pay for shipping and handling. And so just fair warning, this is a sales funnel. You need to be well aware of that. I, I only <laughs> tell that to people in here, but you will, uh, if you do that, you will have other things you're that you're list. upsold to. Yep, yeah. you're on the list. You'll be upsold too. I think y'all will appreciate that. But no, I would love, it, this, it was named by, uh, the book was named by Forbes, one of the seven books everyone on your team should read. And so just want to get this into the hands of people. So I'll give it to you for free if you pay the shipping and handling. Killbusy.com. Killbusy.com. Perfect. Yep. Well, Garland, thanks for joining me. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, it's my pleasure, Andy. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I enjoyed the book too. I mean, it was, so I've got, I took notes. I'm as I said, as I'm doing my planning going forward, it's uh, a lot of thoughts there for that. So appreciate that. Awesome. Awesome. All right. We'll look forward to talking again soon. All right. Sounds good. Okay, friends, that's it for this episode. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. As always, I'm so grateful for your support of the show. And I want to thank my guest, Garland Vance, for sharing his insights with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. So thank you for your help with that. And thank you so much for investing your time with me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.